Some of you know that I, um, I grew up in New Mexico, and New Mexico has a um, very appropriate a license plate slogan. You know, uh, license plate slogans, Alaska's is the, is the last frontier. Um, New Mexico's license plate slogan is the land of enchantment, and I, I would have to say that that's true. But we also have an unofficial slogan. We have a, a, an unofficial slogan, which is the land of manana, because... <laughs> Yeah, the land of tomorrow. And the reason for that is, is that things take a little longer in New Mexico than, than you had expected them to. And, and my life is, a, is an indication of that. I, uh, I took five years getting through, uh, college back in the days when people didn't do that. Now I understand it's more common, but, um, it was the land of manana and, and that's the way that, that I rolled. So, um, uh, I, I was reading something the other day that made me think about this uh, because there's a there's a person in New Mexico who's trying to sell merchandise with he's he's copyrighted this slogan and it is a uh, carpe manana. So if you're if you're familiar with the 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 saying carpe diem, it means to seize the day to make good use of today because now's the now's the opportunity. Carpe diem is to seize today, and he says in New Mexico what you should do is uh, carpe manana, seize tomorrow. Uh, the idea that that you can always um, put off until tomorrow what you could otherwise do today. So that's kind of the the mentality that he's he's referring to, and um, and I think that there's a, a little of that in all of us. Um, I think that all of us find ourselves from time to time uh, seizing tomorrow, seizing manana instead of today, and and really that's why we have um, a New Year's resolutions. We we need an arbitrary we need an arbitrary date, an arbitrary starting point, because otherwise we will keep on seizing manana. We'll keep on uh, putting it off, and, and tomorrow will come, and then the next tomorrow, and so forth. And we won't actually do the things that we uh, wanted to do. So, so we have we have uh, the New Year's resolution. We say, I'm going to go to the gym. I'm going to uh, to uh, get healthy. I'm going to lose weight. I'm going to have that conversation. I'm going to do what I can to to kind of jumpstart that relationship. We pick an arbitrary date because otherwise we will keep seizing tomorrow. That's something that, that a lot of us find ourselves uh, doing this time of year. And the church is no different. The church has the same problem. We could we could celebrate Christmas forever. Really, how can you stop celebrating um, the fact that God came to earth to be one of us? Um, there's no there's no good way to say okay all right we've done enough of that it's time to move on so we just arbitrarily pick a date and we say okay the 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 season of Christmas is now over we're moving on to the next thing it's just an arbitrary decision we're going to quit doing that and start doing something else so we are now in a different season in the church year we're in a season that's called ordinary time I'll explain that in a minute but the idea is that there's these blocks of time we celebrate Christmas and we celebrate Easter. And then before Easter, we celebrate Lent, and before Christmas, we celebrate Advent. I don't know if we celebrate Lent and Advent. Maybe observe is a better word. But we have these blocks of time in the church calendar where we have made a decision we're going to stop doing this one thing and start doing the other thing. And in between, we have what's called ordinary time. That means it's not a special season. It's just um, uh, it's just the time that we number the weeks, week one, week two, week three. It's from ordinal numbers. We have We have ordinated this uh this uh, period of weeks so we are now in ordinary time the first week of ordinary time is the celebration of the baptism of the lord and and uh we're going to have two blocks of ordinary time this one's going to stop when we get to lent 
And uh, we have this first one has a, has a variable length. It's so it's sometimes it's longer, it's sometimes it's shorter. It moves around because Easter moves around. When Easter moves around, Lent moves around, and that means the far end of this block of ordinary time uh, moves as well. But what happens every year, whether it's long or short, is we celebrate transfiguration at the far end, the the other occasion when Jesus was spoken to by a voice from heaven. So this springtime uh, period of time, this springtime ordinary time, is celebrated at the beginning and end by uh, the times when uh, a voice came from heaven and spoke about Jesus. And that's all a big setup because because we're going to be talking about baptism today. And in a way, I wish we were talking about uh, transfiguration because transfiguration is easy. I'm not saying it's theologically simple, but no one expects it to happen again. Uh, Transfiguration was a one-time event. Jesus went up on the mountain with his disciples. They had this experience. Uh, The voice from heaven spoke about Jesus, and they went back down the mountain, and that was it. But baptism keeps happening. Baptism happens all the time. We have baptisms in our church from time to time, and we've got a seashell ready to go the next time we have one. Uh, baptism keeps happening. Um, and and the, the, the scriptures tell us how important <coughs> how important baptism is. In fact, looking just at this one biography of, of Jesus, Matthew's biography of Jesus, we see it as literally the first and last word from Jesus concerns baptism. It's the first thing we hear Jesus say. We've spent two chapters talking about baby Jesus and the, the flight into Egypt and so forth. But now Jesus comes on the scene as an adult and begins talking in his own voice. And the first thing he talks about is baptism. And if you turn to chapter 28, the last thing Jesus talks about is baptism in the Great Commission. He says, all authority has been uh, on heaven and earth has been given to me. Go there for and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I've commanded. And lo, I am with you to the end of the age. The first and last words from Jesus are about baptism. So it's important. And we see that all through the New Testament. Baptism is important. But it's not clear. The, the, the writers of the New Testament seem to be drawing on a shared understanding of exactly what baptism is about. And so what we see as we look at individual letters, or, or like Matthew or some of the letters we've heard um, in our worship service today, there's these hints, these, these tantalizing glimpses of the totality of what baptism about, is about. We see it described as a, um, we see it described as a dying and rising with Christ. Uh, we, we see, uh, that, that, we, the passage we heard, um, earlier in the service from, from Romans, uh, Paul talks about baptism is a participation in the dying and rising in Christ. That because we have been baptized, and because Jesus was baptized, we have a new life because our old life has has died. We have died in Christ in our baptisms, and so that's a very deep concept. Uh, we have we have uh, uh, places in the scriptures where it tells us it's passing through the waters. Uh, so, like the uh, Israelites passing through the Red Sea on dry ground, we hear words like baptism described that way. We hear it described as a symbolic washing of sin. There's all these different ways that baptism is described in the New Testament. And there's no place where it just kind of lays it all out and says A, B, C, D, and just explains it to us. And so what happens is we have to put it together ourselves. We have to put that A, B, C, D together ourselves. And everybody disagrees. 
There are denominations that exist because of their distinctive understanding of baptism. Can you guess what one of them is? I'll give you a hint. Begins with B. Okay. So there's a, there's a whole denomination who got its name from their distinctive understanding of baptism. But we all have distinctive understandings of baptism and we, we just disagree on the particular, uh, details. And, uh, so, so baptism is a, is a theologically deep and rich topic. And that's one of the reasons when we have a baptism, one of the things I say to everybody who's not being baptized is I say, remember your baptism. Because it is a deep, rich topic and the scriptures are full of the announcement of its importance and these glimpses of how it works in our lives. And I'm not going to talk about any of that today because there's something I want to talk about that's very practical. I want to talk about, the well, there's two, there's two practical things about baptism. The first one I've alluded to already. Jesus says, do it. And that makes it practical. If Jesus says, do it, then what could be more practical than to do the thing Jesus had to do? He said baptize. So if if you haven't been baptized, Jesus is talking to you when he says, he's saying get baptized. And if you have been, he's talking to us in the church saying baptize people. So that's a very practical thing to do. But the other thing about baptism is it is an event. Is it an event in time that marks a transition? Baptism is like a New Year's Day. It's like that occasion where you stop seizing manana and you actually seize the day. And we see that here in the scriptures where, where Jesus comes to John who is naturally puzzled. John has, uh, this, this good understanding of baptism and he, he can talk all about it. In fact, you can go back to the beginning of the chapter. He does talk all about baptism. But Jesus puzzles him because Jesus says, I need to be baptized. And John kind of runs through his understanding of baptism. He's thinking about washing from sin and he's thinking about, he's thinking about, uh, symbolic death and, and resurrection. And he's thinking, uh, none of these apply to the one who, who God would send to be the, um, to be the anointed one, to be the Messiah. None of those apply to you, Jesus. So if you're that guy, I shouldn't be baptizing you. And Jesus says to him, do it anyway. He says, he says, let it be so for now. Let it be so now. Um, for it is proper for us in this way to fulfill all righteousness. Jesus uh, goes to uh, John and says, let's go ahead and do this. And the reason this is important is because for the past 30 years, Jesus has not been baptized. For the past 30 years, Jesus has been doing other things. Jesus has been doing important things. Uh, he was growing up. That's important. He was learning a trade. He was learning how to be a, a, a carpenter. That was important. He was helping to support his family. And, and there are hints in the Bible that doesn't ever say so, but there's hints in the Bible that make us think perhaps at this point uh, Joseph has died, and now Jesus, as the eldest son, has a particular responsibility to ensure that his family is, is cared for. So Jesus has important work he's been doing. There's hints in the Gospel of John, the John's uh, not John the Baptist, but John the guy who wrote the Gospel of John. Uh, there's there's hints that perhaps Jesus even spent a time as a disciple of John the Baptist before before this occasion. Now, whether that happened or not, that's arguable. But Jesus has been doing other things up to this point, and nothing is wrong with anything Jesus was doing. Jesus was without sin his entire life, including the part before his public ministry began. 
But if Jesus had been hit by a truck and died, well, not a truck, if he'd been hit by a chariot, if Jesus had been hit by a chariot and died, we would never have heard about him because Jesus had not begun his public ministry. And so what's significant is that even for Jesus, there comes a time when you have to seize the day. You have to begin the new thing. And that's the question for us. Is there a time, is this the time, when we need to seize the day? We need to quit seizing manana and seize this day and begin a new thing. There's two observations I want to point out here. One of the things that that um, that I think about when I'm debating whether I need to begin a new thing is I want to have it all planned out. I want to have it all figured out exactly how it's going to work. And, and that's not what we see here. Uh, maybe Jesus has it all planned out. One of the things I love is you read the scriptures, you see this thing where God has this, God has this thing planned out, right? From all eternity, from before the first page of Genesis all the way to the last page of Revelation, God has it all figured out. And yet when we look at Jesus, we see Jesus seems to be uh, improvising at times. He's, he's going from one place to another. He's, he's, he's moving uh, through the crowd and somebody comes up and touches him. And then he spends, you know, 30 verses talking to that person. It seems to be almost improvisational. So is Jesus improvising or is he working out the plan? I don't know how Jesus's head works. What I know is the way John the Baptist's heads work. Uh, because that's, that's the way my head works. My head works like John the Baptist's because what I get all the time is, hey, uh, Jesus, you're doing it wrong. Right? That's the way I live my life. I say, I say, no, 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 Jesus, you haven't got this straight. Let me clarify it for you. And then Jesus straightens me out because in fact, I'm the one who needs to be straightened out. It's not him. It's me. And that's how John experiences Jesus in this passage too. Jesus comes to him and says, let's do this. John says, no, Jesus, you got it all wrong. And Jesus says, no, actually you do. So the first thing is, uh, I don't know how Jesus works out his plans. I don't know if he's really improvising. I don't know if he's aware of this entire plan that God has for the whole world. I don't know how Jesus works. But I know how John works. And what we see, the way John working, is that Jesus straightens him out when he goes into the deep weeds. When Jesus goes, when John the Baptist goes off course, Jesus straightens him out. So as you're thinking, is it time for me to begin a new thing? Is it time for me to begin a new project? Is there something I need to begin now? Keep John in mind. Jesus is not going to watch you go off in a wrong direction and do nothing about it. Jesus is going to give you correction as you need it. So don't spend all your time planning. Don't get, don't get stuck in analysis paralysis. Say, this is my understanding of what God wants me to begin. I'm going to begin the new thing. I'm not going to seize tomorrow while I plan this thing out today. That's the first thing. The other thing is in verse 15, and I just want to highlight this. I love this. It says, uh, John says, you know, no, I'm not going to baptize you. And Jesus says, let it be so for now. He corrects him. But then he says this, it is proper for us in this way to fulfill all righteousness. Jesus includes himself in John's work. Jesus says, when you do your work, John, I'm part of it. How would it change your thinking if you started to look at your work that way? 
if you said, I need to study for this test, and you said, Jesus is saying, it's proper for us to do this. It's proper for us to study for your exam. It's proper for us to learn that new skill. It's proper for us to stay late today or to go home early today. It's proper for us to do the work together. How would that change your approach to work if you saw yourself as part of this statement that Jesus makes to John? John says, I have an understanding of my work. I'm going to do my work. Jesus says, no, it's our work, and I'm going to be a part of it. Think about how that might change your life if you started including Jesus as a partner in your work. And the reason he can do that is because, the reason he can correct us is because he is part of our work. So is there something you need to begin? Is there something, some new relationship, um, some new a chapter in a relationship that you need to work on? Is there something you need to work on in your health, in your job, in your school? Is there something you need to begin? Because maybe the time to stop seizing tomorrow is now. Maybe today's the time to seize today. Next week we do this uh, together. That's something we can all think about for ourselves. Is there something I need to change? Next week we need to think about this together because we collectively as the church are going to have the charge conference. We're going to say to ourselves, what we've been doing is this. And there's nothing wrong with what we've been doing, but we need to ask ourselves, how is God calling us to do new things as we move forward? And one of the, one of the pieces of that is we'll be electing new leaders. We'll be saying, these are the people that we have discerned that God is calling to lead this church, to be attentive to where God wants us to go, to be attentive to the things that God wants us to begin. So we're going to do that collectively as a church, not because there's anything wrong with what we've been doing, but because it is the nature of God to move through seasons of time. So as a church and as individuals, we should ask ourselves, what is God calling me to begin? And we shouldn't spend too long. We should spend a reasonable time, but we shouldn't spend too long figuring it out, because Jesus will straighten us out. If, like John, we're off where we where we shouldn't be, we haven't figured it out correctly, that's okay. Jesus will straighten us out. And he can do that because he'll be with us on the journey. He'll be doing the work with us. Thanks be to God. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the baptism of Jesus and the, the things it teaches us about beginning new projects, beginning new ministries, beginning new seasons in our lives. Lord, we pray that you would help us to uh, to seize this day and not manana, that you would help us to trust that you will straighten us out if we go off course and that you will be with us in the work. We pray this all in Christ's name. Amen.